Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. Let me call your attention to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews chapter number 12. I almost feel as though I don't belong in this book because it's been so long since I've been in it. Uh, Brother Jeffrey and Ricky have been doing a great job going through the 11th chapter. And, uh, of course, Jeffrey did a great job in the beginning of chapter number 12. We're going to be looking this evening at verse number 4 down through verse number 6. But I want to pick up reading, and I don't, I don't think that we can rightly and truly understand verse number four, five, and six without looking back at what was said in one, two, and three. So we'll go back and read verse number one down through verse number six. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such, such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds." Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the continued look that we've been having in the book of Hebrews. We thank you for the author of Hebrews and what has been revealed here in these scriptures. Lord, we ask you this evening that you would... Illuminate your word. May it shine upon our hearts. And Lord, may we gain from it those things that would be pleasing in your sight. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Two things may be a little different this evening. Number one, I don't know that we're going to spend as long a time as we normally spend in our evening service. And also, 
toward the end, I may call for some congregation participation. Uh, these scriptures that we're looking at are interesting scriptures, and it's scriptures, and, and I guess another thing that may be a little different is I'm going to try to slow down tonight, and we're just going to look at some things and look at them intently. Uh, these scriptures that we're looking at this evening are easy scriptures to be misconstrued like a lot of scriptures that we've been considering in the past days and past months. Uh, but these are, the author here is explaining some things to us. And I think if we have an understanding of these scriptures, we can understand these latter verses. He he calls our attention in verse number four back to what was said specifically in verse number two. Verse number two said, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher. We forget that sometimes. If we're not careful, we, we have a tendency to know in our hearts and minds that Jesus is the author of our faith. We, we have no problem with that one. Where we have a problem is we think that we have some great part in building our faith or growing our faith when it is the work of Christ in our life that is doing that work. Uh, we would not be able to have any faith if it were not for Christ building that faith in us. It, it is His faith anyway. The Bible tells us, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we know that any faith that we have has been built upon because of the word of God. Who is the word of God? We know that the Bible tells us that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Down in verse number 14, the Bible tells us that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we know that Jesus Christ is the Word. And we know that our faith comes from the Word. So we know that because of that, and because of the Scripture that we see, we understand that any faith that we have is a faith that is built upon His Word. And He is His Word. And the author of Hebrews is telling us here in verse number 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He is the author of our faith, and He is the finisher of our faith, and He is all of our faith in between. If he is the author, if he's the beginning and he is the end, he tells us in another place he is the Alpha and the Omega. If he's the author, the beginning of our faith, if he's the end of our faith, then he is the builder of our faith in between. It's interesting when we get down to these verses of Scripture and, and to be honest with you, I toiled over these verses and that's the reason I think I want some congregation participation here in just a moment that we can uh, even discuss these scriptures in light of what's going on here. 
there were some things that I struggled with in these verses. But I think the key is, is in verse number two. I think that is the explanation of verse number three, four, or verse number four, five, and six. He said, Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. He's talking uh, to those that are scattered abroad, just as James is. He's talking to them and he's telling them the things that you're going through, the persecution that you're facing, the, the things that are happening in your life, the things that are going on, you've not yet striven unto blood. You, you may have been through a great deal of persecution. In fact, it is almost an encouragement when we look at this passage of Scripture when he says in verse number 4, you have not resisted unto blood. Mankind, and even we ourselves, can bring ourselves to the end. Mankind can take from us that blood, but they cannot take our future. They cannot take what God has in store for us. Man can take us to that very end if God chooses to allow it to be so. Man can take us to the end of our life, but they can do nothing with what comes after that. They can't stop that. You can't stop that. God has a plan and God has a future for each of us. So I think it's an encouragement in this passage of Scripture. It, it's almost, I don't, I, I don't want to say it's a rebuke, but it is, it is drawing the attention to the fact that you've not yet suffered unto the point what did he tell him in verse number two? Looking unto Jesus. He's basically calling their attention back and saying, you've not yet suffered to that point. You've not yet gone through things to that point. Christ went through things to that point on our behalf and he laid down his life for us. We've not, we've, not, we've not striven to that point. No matter what we've faced or no matter what we've been through or no matter what, what evil has befallen us, we have not striven to that point. And that's what he was telling those that he was writing to. He said, you've not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And he, he, he brings out that point, striving against sin. We've not, we, we've not resisted the world and resisted sin to the point to where we've been persecuted, to where we've been martyred for that purpose. There are some that have been martyred for that purpose. We see that in history. We can read Fox's Book of Martyrs. We know that that's there. We know that that happened, but... He's writing to the majority of us that we've not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Then he tells us in verse number five, <clears throat> and he said, ye have, and ye have forgotten 
the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. We need to understand something about sin in our life. We do sin, and we remind ourselves that of that every Sunday that we come together. We are sinners. We do sin. And when we mention that on Sunday and we're talking about our, our pardon and our assurance of our pardon, we're reminding ourselves that we are sinners. We're not, remi- we're not doing that so that we are saying, because we are, let's just go do as many as we can do. That's, that's not the encouragement that we get from that. The encouragement we get from that is we do fail God. We do fall short of the glory of God. But we know that Christ does not fall short of the glory of God. We know that we reside in Christ if we're born again. We reside in Christ. And because of that, our acceptance before God rests sure in Christ. So we know that when we come to this portion of Scripture, we know that he's telling us here, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which he... which speaketh unto you as children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Understanding this about sin, our relationship to God, we will never, if you've been born again, you've received the grace of God, you will never stand before God in judgment of sin. Never. Christ did that on our behalf. Christ suffered that judgment on our behalf. We will not stand before God in judgment of sin. But sin does some things in our life. If we allow sin to prevail, if we do not strive against sin if we allow sin to prevail in our life, I guess the portion of this passage of Scripture, I made the statement that I struggled with. It wasn't really a struggle, but it was a struggle of how to, how to explain it, how to look at it. We... If we allow continued sin in our life and we allow things to go on in our life, God is not standing there as a father with a belt in his hand saying, all right, come here, it's time for you to get your what for. That's not what God's doing. When we undergo the chastening hand of God, What we are facing is we are falling under what God said that sin would take us into, if that makes any sense. It's almost like the children of Israel. We can look back at the Old Testament and the times over and over again. God warned them. God told them. How many times have we as parents told our children Don't touch that. It's hot. 
and yet they put their hands on it. And they suffer from that. And as they suffer from that, it is not that you cause that suffering. It is not as though you, you, you displayed that or you made that happen. But it was something that, you, that happened because you didn't strive against that sin. So the chastening that we the chastening that we may enter into when it comes to our father the chastening that we may enter into many times we bring upon ourselves we we think sometimes and we get the mentality that god is some ogre sitting in heaven just waiting to send lightning bolts and sometimes we even pray that way toward other people. We don't necessarily pray that way toward ourselves. We ask for mercy. (laughs) But we'll pray, God, get them. Straighten them out, God. I mean, how many times have we prayed for those that are loved ones and we've said, Lord, rebuke them. Bring them back. I've learned to pray this, Lord, they're yours. Do with them as you would have done. I don't know what it's going to take sometimes for those that I love to be in a right standing with God and who am I to say when they are and when they're not. I know some things are evident when, when they're not. But understand this, the Bible's telling us here, he said, "Ye have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. And he, and he uses that conjunction. He says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children. My son, despise, thou, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. God does rebuke us. God does show us in the Word of God. God uses His Word many times to rebuke us and to say, whoa. I mean, I've, I've made statements to my children when they were growing up. I've made statements to them. Look, it is my responsibility. If I know there is a pit of rattlesnakes out here, it is my responsibility to with, withhold you from that pit. It's my responsibility to stand in your way and and guard you against falling into that pit of rattlesnakes. And many times, that's what God is doing in the Word of God when He takes the Word of God and He shows us, you need to be working in this direction or you need to be going in this direction. So the Bible's telling us that we're not to forget the exhortation which saith, Unto you as unto children, my son, despise not, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. And then he says here in verse number six, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. You know what's interesting when I look at that passage, when I look at that verse? It said here in verse number six, for whom the Lord loveth, 
he chasteneth and scourgeth, don't miss this, scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. You mean we're all the same? You mean we all don't do the, the right? You mean there might, that, 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 I mean, I know some of us are way worse about doing what we shouldn't be doing than what we should be doing. But do you mean we, we all stray at some point in time in our life? Yes. So we're reminded in this passage of Scripture, we're reminded as we consider these verses, we're reminded once again to look back at verse number 2. We remember all of these things looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who, for uh, the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We know from other passages, passages of Scripture, as he's sitting at the right hand of God, what is he doing? He's making intercession for us. So we understand that as we look at this passage of Scripture, and, and the theme that we get from this passage of Scripture is this is a merciful Father. God is merciful even in his rebuke. And, and I don't want us to miss this part, and I want to reiterate this part of, of what we're covering. Many times, if not all the time, that we enter into chastening of the Lord, it is chastening that God told us would be there if we didn't do this. If we went this route, this is what's going to happen. God's told us there's a pit over here. Don't go that way. And we go that way and we fall in that pit and we look up and we say, God, why am I here? Why is this happening? It's almost, and maybe this is not a good example, it's almost like the guy that's on his rooftop and the flood keeps rising and God sends a boat by and the guy God said, no, I'm going to wait on God to save me and the water keeps rising. It's about halfway up the roof and he's sitting on the ridge of the roof and, and a helicopter comes by and lets down a rope and the guy says, climb up with me. And he says, nope, don't believe I'm going to do that. I'm going to wait on God to save me. And the, the flood rises and he gets washed away and he dies. And when he gets to heaven, he, he said, I was waiting on you to save me. God said, well, I sent you a boat and a helicopter. What else you want? God warns us. God tells us those pitfalls are there. That's one of the reasons. And, and God tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Why? Because this is where we get instruction. This is where we look into the Word of God. It, it, that verse of Scripture is not there to, for us to beat one another and say, now look, if you're not here every service, that's not what it's there for. That verse of Scripture is there for a warning to us that this is a place where we find safety. 
This is a place where we find instruction. This is a place where we learn of those pitfalls. This is a place where we, where we gain that knowledge of what is out there in the world before us that will hurt us and will harm us. We get that when we come together. In fact, to be honest with you, God uses our personal times with Him. God uses that sometimes in our life and instructs us. But where we get the majority of our instructions when we come together corporately. When we gather together and we're, we're centered around a section of Scripture and the Word of God, we get instruction as to what God is telling us, avoid this pitfall, avoid that pitfall. And He's telling us that in the middle of the sufferings that we go through, reminding ourselves of all of the things that these Hebrews uh, these, these, these recipients of the book of Hebrews have been going through and everything that they're facing, understand that in the middle of some of that, in the middle of some of the persecution that they have faced, some of that persecution they could have brought upon themselves. And he's telling them, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Sometimes God uses our our stubborn stupidity in our getting ourselves into trouble, God uses that sometimes to wake us up. <laughs> God did not cause you to be stupid. God did not cause you to make that judgment error in judgment. God did not cause that, but God turns around and uses that for a mode of correction. And He does that, the Bible tells us, in love. My, my dad, every time that he disciplined me when I was at home, he, he used to say two things. One of them, I doubt if it was true. He used to tell me, and Miss Claudette just quoted what my dad used to tell me. This is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. That one I doubt. I, I, don't have, I don't have any confidence in that one. But my dad used to always tell me, I do this because I love you. And I have confidence in that one. God is telling us that some of the sufferings that we may go through, some of the things that we may face, some of the things that we, even some of those things that, that is not brought on by the outside world, but we've caved in upon ourselves. God uses those to reprove us, to rebuke us, and to draw us back in line with where we need to be with the Word of God. The writer of Hebrews is careful to give us this instruction in light of, and I can't help but to go back again to verse number 2. I think that is the key of all the, of what he's saying in, the, in these passages of Scripture right here in this section. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He endured suffering 
He endured the cross. He despised the shame, but he undertook that on our behalf. Understand this. Nothing that Jesus went through was brought, brought upon himself. The suffering he went through was on our behalf. The suffering he went through was because of our sin. It was not anything that he brought upon himself. But understand, as we look at Christ, as the author and finisher of our faith, understand there are times we bring things upon ourselves. We cause things to happen. You and I, I don't have to be explicit in things. You and I know that there are certain things that you just don't turn back from. You, you, there are certain things that happen as a, as a result of a bad moment in judgment that you don't get away from. I've used this example before, and I'll use it again real quickly and we'll be done. On October 10th, 1999, I got up, I went to work, just like ordinarily I always went to work. I made the stop that I always made. I was building houses at the time. Most of the houses that I was building was down around Granite Core and Rockwell, and I always went down 152, and I pulled over at, at Old Concord Road. It runs one stop. I don't know if that's why it's still called now, but I'd pull over there. I'd get an oatmeal cake, a pack of cheese crackers, and a Mountain Dew. I'd drink half my Mountain Dew and eat my, my oatmeal cake on the way to work. At 9 o'clock when we had our first break, I'd eat my cheese crackers and drink the rest of my Mountain Dew. About 8.35 that morning, I was ripping a board in half. I had ripped part of it in half. It was, it was about a 32-inch board. It was... I was putting in a, a short door under a one of the one of the uh, bonus room trusses where you had to cut a short door and it had to be at an angle and I had it at an angle and I cut about had three fourths of the way down through it and instead of getting it the way I should have gotten it I reached back behind it and grabbed hold of that board and when I did I squeezed those two boards together. I pulled the trigger on my Makita skill saw and it went backward. That moment, I cut my thumb in half. There was about a half inch of skin on that side that was holding. That was the only thing holding the top of my thumb to the rest of my thumb. At that moment, if, if it was 8.35 and zero seconds, when I pulled that trigger, Brother Ricky, at 8.35 and 2 seconds, I repented of pulling that trigger. I made the decision I would never make that mistake again. Three surgeries later, I cannot bend that knuckle. I was out of work for six months. Three surgeries three pins in my thumb. I repented the moment I did what I did. I repented. 1999. 
It is 2023. We stopped at McDonald's last night on the way back from Carowinds, me and my wife. And my wife will tell you exactly what I told her. When I reached out so many times at the drive-thru, they want to give you the straw and the cup at the same time. I'm reaching out with this hand. I can't get both at the same time. For so long, I'd have to reach out with both hands and make sure I had a handle on things. You say, what are you saying? That's something I'll never get away from. I repented of it. Brother Ricky, I've never done it again. And I'm reminded every day of my life. I have, I, because that thumb does not bend, I have poked my grandchildren in the eye with my thumb. What are you saying? I'm saying it doesn't matter. It, it can be one lapse of judgment, but it can be something you carry with you the rest of your life. And the writer of Hebrews tells us not to forget the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every one whom he receiveth. I'm not telling you that that was a chastening of the Lord. I'm just telling you that sometimes there are things that happen in our life that are things that we brought upon ourselves, but God uses those things to remind us. God has used my thumb over and over and over and over again in my life to remind me of some things. Was that chastening? I don't think so. But I think there have been some times in my life that God used that to remind me of something. So God does those things. And we're not to, we're not to despise that. For whom the Lord loveth. This is what we've got to remember. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. God is merciful God is merciful in his chastening we can't we can't preach the goodness of God without considering the chastening of God also because his chastening is part of his goodness his warning to us his 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 saying stop is part of his warning to us. So we're we're told by the writer of Hebrews, number one, we've not resisted unto blood striving against sin. But if we do come up to times in our life that we do have some chastening, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which he speaketh unto children, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. If we know that maybe what we're going through we brought upon ourselves, 
Don't despise that. (laughs) That's the mercy of God. Look to the author and the finisher of our faith. God sometimes is guarding us, protecting us, shielding us in the midst of his rebuke. We did it for our children. What makes you? What makes us think we love our children more than God loves us? God loves us and sometimes rebukes us through his word and through situations that we find ourselves in. Let's pray. Father.